Welcome to the Men's Health Unscripted Podcast with Patrick and Cam. We focus on your entire health, mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional to make sure you are good to go every day. Welcome to the Men's Health Unscripted Podcast with Patrick and Cam. And buddy, we have a murderer's row for you today. (laughs) With the crew of Santiago, we have a uh, current king or El Rey. So if you're uncultured, Rey means king in Spanish. And so the crew of Santiago is a group that I'm a part of, but I'm just a lowly squire and we're with the kings. <laughs> and so we have the current king, Chris Cabero, uh, El Rey 47, Paul Gigante, and El Rey 41, Randy Conti. And Paul and Chris are actually hosts of the PC podcast. And so we're happy to have them on. We want to talk about brotherhood and all the things that like friendship can bring you. So guys, how you doing? Glad to have you we're on. We're doing great. Good. Yeah. Patrick, Cameron, thanks for having us on. We're, we're happy to do this and uh, we, we appreciate the invite. Let's talk a little bit about the crew of Santiago. I know we're in Gasparilla season right now. If you don't know what Gasparilla is, it's this huge party season where you have the day parade, which I think... I've heard about people talking about this from like Minnesota. They're like, do you have that crazy parade where everybody's a pirate? Um, <laughs> except <laughs> us. Except, except us. us. We're, We're not pirates. <laughs> and then and then it transitions over to the night parade and St. Patty's parade. So there's a bunch of parades uh, in really like a two-month span of a lot of the crews in Tampa. And Crew Santiago is one of the most philanthropic crews in the area. We do a ton for just local charities. And we have our own education foundation, which I believe has donated over a million dollars in scholarships to the youth of Tampa Bay. So I, I, think, it, I think it's close to about two million now. It's okay. Well, that's even yeah. better. So that's Don't we, really I great. Think right, we have like over a hundred, hundred and sixty-five students on full rides right now. Yeah. So it's a lot, right? And that's oh, yeah. at the yeah. University of Tampa, University of South Florida, and Hillsborough Community College here in Tampa. So we, we provide scholarships to all three of those uh, schools. So, yeah, it's amazing. I know every member of the crew is very, very proud of that. Yeah, that's sure. really impressive. That's a lot of people being helped out. Yeah, absolutely, Cameron. Yeah, there's there's a lot of youth that's, like, really being helped through and, uh, and just helping them get their education. Uh, Cam, I don't know if he can kind of attest to this because I know he had some GI Bill help out. But, I mean, I got a lot of student loans. Uh, school ain't cheap. No, no and it's, I mean, even even slapping on Uncle Sam's knob for those four years wasn't enough to equal a doctorate. So, right. you know, it still adds up. Yeah, it does. That's the only good thing about divorce. My dad had to pay our scholarships and everything for pay for our college. Um, I would go and get Pell Grants because Pell Grants, you didn't have to pay back. And those I could it might be 500 or 700 a semester, but it's still money I didn't have to pay back. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. My wife, on the other hand, lot, had lots of. Lots of loans, but sure. she was happy when she paid the last one off. Yeah, I'm working towards it. Um, you know, uh, I'll get there. <laughs> oh, I'm but sure you have a lot. <laughs> it's it's actually not as bad as like some of my classmates. Baseball scholarships and things like that really helped out with my undergrad. Um, so I managed to piece all that together. I didn't have to take out any loans in undergrad. Stayed top in, in school and did baseball and did any extra thing like just like you said like get a little 500 here 200 there i pulled scholarships out of the most random places i think i got like a 200 dollars scholarship one time for just living in tampa for going to high school in tampa <laughs> cool. where'd, where'd you go to school i went to plant and robinson 
Oh, the high what, college and, and, and pharmacy school. Oh, college. I went to miles college, played baseball and, uh, went to, and that's in Birmingham. And then I went to USF for pharmacy school. Oh, cool. That's awesome. yeah. 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 I worked in Moffitt. That is anything to. It there you go, right across the street. We used to have lunch <laughs> yeah. there all the time. Yeah, great we lunch. love the cafeteria. Love that. Best place. thing about they do have a great cafeteria, man. I love it. <laughs> Best thing about it when I was in school, they only had that one building, but I got a staff tag, and back then that was like gold. I could park anywhere I wanted because there's staff spots everywhere. But how do you get that? Because I worked in Moffitt, okay. so hey, I just applied for it. Don't ask questions you don't know one of the answers to. For three and a half years, <laughs> I had staff tag. So it was awesome. Cheater. That yeah. is awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the crew. I mean, other than the Education Foundation, what are some things that it's provided you guys as far as camaraderie, networking opportunities, anything like that you care to discuss? Um, I remember going to my first social event. It was in Tequila's at 7th Avenue. And one of my band directors, Danny Camacho, um, I was his photographer. And he said, hey, come to a meeting. I'm like, for what? And he told me, I'm like, ah, okay, whatever. And I walked in and it was a bunch of Italians and Latinos, and it was pretty cool. And everyone was friendly and talking to me. And that's how it started with me. And now I've got 270 great friends, and we had new guys coming in every once in a while. But that's where it started for me, and I can embellish on that later, but I want to hear from these guys first. Yeah, Randy, go ahead. Yeah, I believe I came in in 88, 90, something like that. And uh, Manny Alvarez, president of Manufacturers Bank at the time, past king heavy hitter and uh i knew him from years of loans business loans uh i joined for network so yeah. i just started a business and uh wanted to branch out and you know the crew of santiago is all about brotherhood of men and you certainly mean a lot uh, you, you meet a lot of good guys and also meet a lot of new guys things that people i would have never met if not joining the crew yeah absolutely yeah. so like for me um same thing. Like I was, I was working. So I grew up, I was born and raised in Tampa, did Gasparilla, you know, went to the night parade. My, my grandparents are, you know, Cuban and part of Central Studiano. And she would buy us night parade tickets to go every year. My brother and I would take us. And so, you know, kind of growing up to that, I always, you know, looked up to that, thought I was really cool and everything like that. And then I was working, I was working here in Tampa after I was out of the Navy. And one of the guys that I was working with was Chris Sierra. And uh, Rafael Mayos worked there too. And um, we got to talking about it one day. And they're like, yeah, why don't you come to a meeting and see if you want to join or whatever. And uh, so I ended up joining in 1998. And uh, fun fact about that, Randy Conti was the Baron the year that I joined the crew. He was he was the lead. We call it Baron, the leader of the crew, right? So he was the Baron that's the year that I, I joined. So Randy was influential in letting, uh, you know, bring him in. So it was awesome. But you know what I love about it? it's the second family. I mean, it's like it's like, you know, you have people that go to high school, has been, you know, um, you know, uh, or, or college, you know, fraternities and sororities, like all that kind of it's kind of like that. But, you know, and, and I would say that the majority of our friends that we have now are all somehow related crew wise. Right. And our wives are all friends. And it's just a second family, man. It's amazing. The brotherhood. And, you know, and it's just always nice to know no matter what you need in life. You have 250 of your brothers that you make one phone call and they're going to help you out with whatever it is, right? And so that's it's really important to me to be part of that. Yeah, this past January, you know, we had our coronation and we brought Chris in as our king. We had roughly 980 people in attendance at the convention center. It was a it was a great night. We brought 14 new nights in. We've had 15 the previous year, but that was our 50th anniversary. 
So the crew was growing, at least around my younger members, I'll say 30s and 40-year-olds, for us old guys like me. We, I appreciate that. So you said us. You're just talking about you right now. Just right? me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Say, oh, <laughs> That's okay. Hey, Medicare is great. <laughs> when I first joined, I thought there was a bunch of clicks in the crew, but it was so not like that. It was like if if you live in Riverview and, and places out there, Lithia and all that, you might have six or seven guys they kind of hang out together. They've been friends. They grew up together, but they're all in the crew. We got a bunch of friends from Ruskin and South Shore, Apollo Beach, Apollo Beach, yeah. Mirror Bay. They're all in that area. And you would think that they would be clicky. We got the guys that went to Tampa Catholic. There's a bunch of them. There's a Jesuit. bunch of guys that went to Jesuit. Yeah. There's a bunch of guys that went to Hillsborough, that went plant. to Chamberlain. And you think I, I went to East Bay. Shout out to East the Bay. Indians. South, still the Indians. Shore, still the Indians. You're the only one. I know. But they're not clicky at all. They're just, if they're going out to dinner after a meeting, they may be heading back to Riverview and they all meet up at a restaurant over there. But when I was king, I, I made it an effort to, after every meeting, go out with a different group of guys. There's like Ken Toledo and those guys all go to Ivorones. I have a bunch of guys that go to the Lone Star Steakhouse. I have a bunch of guys that go to James Joyce. So you kind of pick different people to follow around. We went to Lee's Grocery the other day for Amazing, by Anthony the way. Campanella's birthday. We had like 40 of us in there. Um, and there was one girl working. So she had to call the owner who lives in the house next door. And she took care of us that way. But we're not clicky at all. We're just a bunch of guys coming together from different areas of Tampa and stuff. Um, and I remember you. All, we didn't see you that often when you were in pharmacy school. But when you did, it was like, ah, oh, man, give you a big hug. Good to see you. sure. Um, and then you came up to me a couple of weeks ago and said, oh, you got a podcast. I got to have you on. We got to be guests. Yeah. Um, Thanks for having us. And so and you guys had your own shirts. We have shirts, too, but we're at the university club, so we have to dress nicer. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to show up in a T-shirt and shorts. Then <laughs> they won't feed us or give us out. Well, this past Tuesday, Chris bought us dinner. So we couldn't, expect, couldn't yeah. have a better king this year. That's awesome. Stolen credit card. It's under <laughs> yeah, But, um, but yeah. what are some of the things that are, since men's health, things that are plaguing guys right now? Loneliness, anxiety, um, everything that's happened with uh, COVID and all that stuff puts everyone back in a show. It's okay, Pookie. I think that's where our bonds help each other. If someone's down... And we talk about in the beginning of the meeting, if anyone's health, they're ailing, they got cancer, you know, that person might get 50 text messages from guys with <laughs> from 6.30 to 7.30. Right. And they know that something was mentioned in a meeting. Um, I know people are thinking about them and that helps. So this guy went through, what kind of cancer did you have? I had lymphoma. He had lymphoma. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was DJing one of our debutante balls and he could not make it. He was just physically unable to make it, um, going through chemo and everything else. So I FaceTimed him live and, you know, we called him up and I had everyone on the dance floor say, we miss you, Chris. We had signs. We had placards with his head. Um, and I had a good cry for about 10 minutes, man. It was amazing because, you know, it was going through a lot. It's just something little like that meant so much to me, right? Because I couldn't be there with all my friends, but he did that. It was special. I still have that video, by the way. Like and it was impressive, you know, it was just nice to have that, like, what, five, six hundred people in a room yeah. all saying, like, you know, hope you feel better. So that was good. But little things like that that we can all do for each other. Right. It means means more than anything else. You know, I think a lot of guys are I think there's like kind of this apprehension behind 
telling them, you know, I hope you get better. Or like, they don't want to seem weird, you know, like wishing well on another guy or like, like it feminizes them or something like that. But that's totally not the case to like give your buddy a hug. I right? agree, man. Or like wish them well. And I think that's just a weird part of the culture that we're in. And that's probably a lot of the reason why men are experiencing anxiety and loneliness, especially after COVID. I mean, most of these stats started coming out and like the male suicide rate went up. Um, I think 80, now it's close to really close to 80% of all suicides are men. Wow. And there's a huge loneliness and mental health component there. And I think it's just really you know, one of the reasons is lack of brotherhood, lack of friendships, and just guys feel lost. They don't know where to go to, to get those type of feelings. And there's nothing wrong with them. I just, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of guys that just feel weird asking or saying like, Hey man, can I go hang, can we hang out or something like that? And it just kind of makes guys build up all these walls that really don't exist, but we, it's just in our head. Yeah, I agree. So when I became king, my mother was escorted by, I think, Stevie D and, and someone else. I'm not even really. Anthony Arena, I think. I think it was. And then seven months, eight months later, she passed. Um, she had stage four lung cancer and everything else. Who knew what a year would be? And, you know, you mentioned in the meeting, guys are coming up to you. They're hugging you. They're letting you cry, all that kind of stuff. And for there's people that may not open up with their feelings and stuff. But I feel like in our crew, if we have someone that's like that, we try to say, Hey, come on, talk to me. What's up. And I've done that before with guys. I've called them out and said, Hey, you were off the other day. Are you okay? I've done it to this guy. Absolutely. Before. You have one of the most amazing things. Uh, my mom lived in Spring Hill and Hernando beach um, on her funeral uh, went up there and I walked in and there's like 14 guys from the crew there that drove over an hour just to go to my mom's, service and same thing happened with my dad a few years later i walk in the church and there's you're talking an hour and a half ride and they all ponied up came up um and showed their support and i don't know how many funerals i've gone to for crew members that have passed i may not even have known that not even known it very well right yeah. uh, but i go in and there's the entire crew so it's just and we're hugging and everything else and i have no problem with that whatsoever but friendship and brotherhood i mean you add those things and loneliness and anxiety kind of go away but, you know, there's kind of, I, I will say, like, with our organization, you know, being centric to Tampa, you know, Gasparilla, Crate, you know, crew, whatever, is, like, people that are outside of that world, they look at us and they just think, like, oh, those are the drunk guys that walk, that go down Bayshore and throw beads every year, you know, like, but it's it's so much more than that. It's, well, I would say, especially our crew, right? Like, we, we are really true close-knit crew, but... It's not just about that. You know, we talked about the Education Foundation. We're talking about the brotherhood. But, you know, we just don't, you know, of course, we have a good time when we want to. And we do that. But it's, so it's everything else that comes around that just makes it. Yeah, tomorrow, where are we yeah. on? The kids, uh, cancer? Yeah, family? tomorrow, yeah. us three will be at, we're going to the Children's Cancer Center tomorrow because those kids are in there and we're going to take Gasparilla to them, right? So we're all going to wear our costumes. We're going to go in there and give them beads and just, you know, have a good time for the kids at the Children's Cancer Center. And then we do every year a thing called Nights with the Heart, Nights with the Heart, where we go to the St. Uh, uh, the Children's Hospital in St. Saint, in Saint Pete and then a couple all other hospitals, all Children's Hospital, you know. And so, like, for those kids that are sick, you know, so we do all that. So, you know, it's, it's all, and you know, that's not circle. easy either because it's, it's some tough. of those kids are going through a lot. And I've worked at the Cancer Center before. 
and to see some of these kids. And then when we go to the veterans hospital, yeah, and you know, that, you, that, that's very depressing. You got these mass casualty guys that are in there, and there's just pictures all over the place for them to see from their wives, girlfriends, yeah, families, and stuff like that. And they'll never be the same again. Um, and that hits hard for me because I am a veteran too. I spent, you know, I was in the Navy in the first Gulf War, and you know, and it's 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 something I don't want to miss. Like I want to give back like that, especially to my military brothers, you know. So it's tough, but again, it's. Yeah. Yeah. And I walked in to one veteran. I, I was embarrassed to give him a beat because he was there with his head half blown off and missing his arms, and he looked at me and said, "Thank you, son. I really appreciate it." Yeah. Here I'm thinking he didn't want to be, but that's kind of case. It was just about the friendship that we had made while talking, and you know, it made me feel better. Absolutely. Yeah, Ooh, I've man. done I've done nights of the heart before, like before pharmacy school. I did it a couple of times, and it's really yeah. it makes you it makes you super grateful for what you have, just because there are a lot of people that are less fortunate, and it doesn't matter. I mean, cancer doesn't care how much money you have, how much family you have. Like it doesn't. It just it'll get you. So. Yeah, you know, getting you know, back to what Chris said, people see us on the side of on the parade route throwing beads and we're having a few drinks. But they really have no idea what we do throughout the course of the year, whether it be the hospital, uh, whether it be cookouts, whether it be contributions, whether it be a Santiago Education Foundation, that they have 160, 180 kids on scholarship. They have no clue about that. So, uh, you know, this year we have a Santiago Education float with a billboard on the sides of the float that maybe you'll see this weekend advertising the education foundation and let them know what we're doing with the logos of the three colleges that we sponsor so hopefully that will make an impression going down bayshore this weekend that's a, that's a good point randy yeah, yeah it really is yeah that's what we want to circle kind of with uh when we had you guys on is kind of highlight that you guys do more than just hanging out it is community outreach um, because a lot of this stuff while you are doing it as a group you're doing it together you're exercising that camaraderie that friendship um, but you're also spreading that in onto others, whether it be at the children's hospitals, veterans hospitals, things like that. And that in its own way kind of spreads that onto them, helps their health out as well, because those they're, they're going to feel good that day. They've you know had a chance to interact with you guys, had a chance to have conversations, make new relationships. And it's been shown that those kind of I kind of like bolstering that there's their self will help their recovery will help their, their healing in a process, whether it's the emotional healing or even physical, albeit, you know, injuries like that or cancer and things like that. So yeah. it is super beneficial. You guys are doing that and not just hanging out and getting drunk on floats as it may seem. You know, February 1st, we have the proclamation dinner, uh, which the mayor gives us the Pete of the city for the night parade. A foundation puts it on and they bring four or five young kids in that are graduating the other Tampa U, USF, HCC. Sometimes they give speeches that you, you you literally start crying because they came from nothing. And without the foundation helping them, they wouldn't have become engineers, doctors, CPAs, dentists. It's amazing speeches these people give because they're so appreciative as to the four years they, they received the funds from the crew. That uh, yeah. it, 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 there's usually not a dry eye in the room just to hear it from the you know the scholarship recipients and how appreciative they are you know and it, it's just amazing and so like I said the education component and like you can't get to grad school without undergrad and right. <laughs> I think pharmacy was one of the last medical professions where in some uh, in some schools you could do like your core classes that pharmacy school requires that's all going away like now you have to have a four-year degree i think for most places 
But I think Cam and I were on the tail end of USF allowing people in with just the core two or three years and not actually needing a degree to get to pharmacy uh -huh. school. I didn't know that. Um, That's well, yeah, you had to take like you still had to take organic chemistry and all that stuff. I mean, biochem, like you still had to take all those classes, but you you didn't have to like get the four year degree. And now that's I'm pretty sure that's gone now. I mean, you have to have the four year degree to get to pharmacy school and medical school is no joke to get into. And mm. just a lot of these programs post-grad are, are really difficult to get into if you don't have that core foundation. And once you get in, I, I know like our first year of pharmacy school, everybody came from all different backgrounds. And that whole first year, they're just trying to get everybody on a level playing field so that you can understand the components of pharmacy and things as you move forward through the program. Uh, otherwise, like I would have been lost. I worked in, I coached baseball and worked in pathology. I actually have a pretty interesting story about that. Um, when I first got in the crew, I had the baseball academy that I was running and I kind of was starting to make my transition out of that because I was just getting really worn out with travel baseball. Actually, Dr. Glass helped me get my job in pathology. He oh, knew cool. the, he knew the owner of the company that I was applying for. I had my chemistry degree and everything. I was I was good to go. And I was just really looking to kind of get in that field, see if I really liked it. And my it's so funny because I remember sitting at my friend's, uh, I was at my, my friend's tattoo shop and I was sitting out front. The owner of, of uh, the business called me and he's like, hey, I got your application. This works like uh, one of my buddies vouched for you or whatever starts talking to me and he brought up Dr. Glass. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm familiar with Dr. Glass. I go to his party every year, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, so I start I kind of start talking to him about it. And he goes, hold on one second. He hangs up on me, calls Dr. Glass, calls me back and goes, hey, you got the job. Dr. Glass says you're cool. And that's like, awesome. man. I don't think Glass ever saw me in like a chemistry lab or anything like that. I mean, just you know, knew I'm a good guy and then I'll do honest work. But it was just that. And it was just that one word of confidence to my future boss that got me a job. It got me my first big boy job that pretty much got me, you know, to pharmacy school, which I was super grateful for. That's a prime example of networking in our crew. Yeah. It's not what you know, it's who you know sometimes that'll get you to another level. And you know, yeah. Dr. Glass actually took care of my mom who passed away last year. And when he looked at the chart, he said, is your son Randy? And she said, yeah, he said, Okay, so he took care of her to the nines. It's just, uh, yeah, he's a he's a special kind of person. Yeah, but even I'll say even that, like, I mean, there's we have such a diverse like crew, right? And so, doctors, lawyers, judges, blah blah blah. But a lot Plumbers, of a lot of true. business owners, right? So, plumbing companies, AC companies, like you name it. So, it, like I said, if you need to if you need three anything, three companies, three companies, companies uh, DJ <laughs> companies, <laughs> landscaping. Uh, but no, company. but so if you need something. It's like uh, someone's always a phone call away. And, you know, like, I can't tell you, like, Randy trims my trees at my house. You know, Joe Gonzalez does my plumbing. You know, <laughs> this guy does my pictures. <laughs> uh, but, no, you know how it is. So it's like it's it's fun. It's nice. And we support each other and do all that. But, again, it goes back to brotherhood, man. It's a, well, we got I would have to say, too, that when I was, like, working in pharmacy, my first kind of job out of school, I worked there for a little bit. Wasn't really, like, my favorite thing in the world. but 
I'd have to say everybody in the crew was really supportive when I started my business a year ago that they're like, oh man, you're getting, you know, starting a business. And they were really just excited for me. I had a lot of people in my life being like, I don't know if that's a good idea. Like pharmacy is pretty secure and it's a really safe gig and all that kind of stuff. But I just, I really wanted to start my healthcare advocacy business. You know, it was just important to me. It was some stuff I did while my grandparents were kind of declining. And, uh, and I think everybody kind of just really was very supportive, which I don't think you always get when you're starting a business. Like a lot of people will tell you all the reasons why you shouldn't, uh, (laughs) instead of all the reasons why you should. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is definitely, you know, this is probably my second business, I think second or third. And it's just everybody's super supportive. And then when people started finding out about the podcast, like, well, I know Cam and I kind of got a little bit of weird heat, like at the very beginning, they're like, what are you guys going to talk about? Prostates and all this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, well, that's all we're like, we'll, yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll take care of the prostate conversation on our podcast. Don't worry about right. it. <laughs> hey, we and, uh, for our podcast too, because <laughs> some of the board members were very, very worried because uh, I was just all with all because of me and you. <laughs> yeah, so, you got freaking frack here. Yeah, something's bound to happen, and they're like, "Well, make sure you talk about the crew in the good light." And yeah, it's just it's just a really supportive group of guys, and I think if more if more guys had something, I know like not everybody's from Tampa, but. If more guys had an opportunity to have a brotherhood like that or to have yeah. a group of friends that you can go and say like, hey, like you guys just said, hey, I need my trees trimmed. Hey, I need this. Hey, I'm having a wedding. Somebody want to come DJ and take photos like that kind of stuff. It just it makes life so much easier to have those connections because you know where to go and you know you're going to get a quality service and, you know, outside Absolutely. of the business component. But, you know, you know, your buddies are going to take care of you. And that's super important because like I've I've definitely had to like call a random business and it's people I didn't know and I'm trying to look for a service or something and you get shit, <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, but, um, sure. but you know that your buddies are going to look out for you a hundred percent. And if they don't, I mean, if, if something goes wrong, they make it right. I mean, it's just, it's really awesome to have, to know that you have that confidence, just seeking out a service or seeking out friendship, whatever you have that confidence in you that you're going to get something done. Right. And I've, and I've, talk to some people that were down at certain times for certain things and reach out to them and say, Hey man, you okay. You want to talk? And, and yeah, they'll talk to you. They'll, they'll, they'll cry with you. They'll explain to you what they're going through. And I don't think a lot of people get that. A lot of guys sitting at home, drinking beer, you may have no one to call or talk to. I kind of try to reach out. If I know someone's going through something, I don't want to shove it under the rug. Hey, how you doing? Awesome. Great. And then walk away because you're not really asking how they're doing. But if you actually know the person and you can see, hey, see, you're not right today. What's going on? Everything okay? Um, and it's, it makes a big difference. They've done it to me. I've done it to others. So. Well, I agree, man. So, you know, like going through what I went through, I can't tell you like how many phone calls I got. We talked about the video you did, right? But I mean, Randy would call me like once, you know, a month or whatever, going through it. You know, everyone would call. People would come to the house and bring me lunch and just have lunch with me and it meant a lot, you know, and so I think it's really important. And I think I think you're right. A lot of men don't are scared to talk about this kind of stuff. Right. Because for whatever social reasons there it is. But it's really important, man. Like family's important. Friends important. Brotherhood. It, it, it just, you know, and like the other when I when I fell right before the coronation, I hurt my shoulder. I, I, I got I must have had 200 text messages, you know, from. <laughs> Once the word got out, like, are you okay? Can I do anything for you? What, you know, you need anything? Can I pick you up? Can I take you to the doctor? Like, whatever, you know, it's like, 
I had I had more people that wanted to, were offering to take me to the doctor than like anything. I must have had twelve people on standby. Like, hey, if you need a ride, I'll take you. You know, I just, I you just tell them are you ready to step in for him? No, I told him I was going for a bike ride. <laughs> yeah. he, he, Paul was the only one that said no. He was the only one that said no. Not enough of you, bro. Kid. Enough. Yeah, but you I know, think a I problem. Think, I think a problem a lot of um a lot of young people have with finding groups like yours is I'm sure you noticed a lot of these kind of groups tend to have an older clientele to it. Um, you know, think about yeah. your guys, think about like the VFW, um, certain groups like that. And it's, it's unfortunately has kind of an air that it is a bunch of older fellas out there just drinking, having a good time. Sometimes yeah. there's the light that is the community service that group may do. Um, cause I've had that experience myself. Like I was like a due paying member of the VFW, but most VFWs are pretty, pretty depressing. And it is mostly older guys drinking and, kind of just being quiet to themselves. Um, and then when I moved to Tampa, I actually attempted, I guess, to join uh, the Marine Corps Motorcycle Club. It just wasn't a good fit with the way they were trying to structure. Um, so, I, question for you. Yeah, so why aren't you in the crew of Santiago? <laughs> I live in Kentucky. So uh, this I is a big you, part. So you, you were in Tampa, but now you're yeah. not here. In Tampa. I am now in Louisville. Oh, so yes, you, <laughs> you can fly in and fly out. Yeah, yeah I, fly, I fly down there not frequently, but somewhat more often than I have anywhere else recently. Where at in Kentucky are you? In Louisville. Okay, nice. I love yeah. Louisville. It's nice, yeah. man. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all right. It's, you know, some weather, so it's, it's a little bit different. Um, but I think, yeah, back to back to the point, a lot of young people are having trouble finding that kind of niche. They don't really realize that it is. It's kind of like how we talk about finding a therapist. Sometimes you just got to find some uh, that are a good fit for you. You got to find some groups that have that that camaraderie, that environment that kind of fosters the same goals and the same aspirations you may have when it comes to a group. And sure. I'm sure for most people, there could be research they could probably do for you guys online to find out like, oh, this is what they do. This is what they're about. This may be a, a thing, you know, I'm interested in. Do you guys have social pages like that? Yeah, we have websites. Uh, we have we have a pretty good social media private presence on Instagram, Facebook. We have our website. Is it crew? I don't, I don't know what it is. Crewofsantiago.com org or something like that but um yeah we have all that you know all that that's it's available yeah that's just like pictures of everybody explains about the crew and all that stuff yeah i'll tell you what one thing good thing with crew life is you you're friends with five thousand other people in other crews when we do staging and we see each other once a month or something like that or go to an event it's like they're good friends with you and they remember your name i don't remember names very well i'm very bad at that they remember who you are. You went to their coronation ball. You went, they came to our coronation ball. We went to Tallahassee uh, when I was king. My wife and I, my daughter didn't go. And we met so many great people up there. I mean, one of the things we were supposed to go to the lunch at FSU Stadium. What's that? Dokens, Do Camel Stadium. Stadium. And they canceled it because there wasn't enough interest in it. But my daughter wanted to go toward the school and everything. So Miss Thornberry said, hold on, she's a member. Hey, can you get these guys up for lunch as my guests? We had a blast up there. Walk the field, uh, have that experience. My daughter loved it, but she ended up going to USF, so I was happy about that too. But, you know, everywhere, the Minnesota people, the, all crews from all over the place. It, it's a great network. You know, I was surprised to hear about the percentage of suicides. 80, I believe you said 80%? 80%, 80% of all uh close to i think it's like 79 it's really close i've had two friends of mine that committed suicide over the last 40 years 
And I, I think some of the problem might be pride. When they passed away, I'm thinking, what could I have done to help them? And I thought back and I'm saying, well, I did everything I could. Sometimes they would listen, sometimes they wouldn't. You're talking about the two from our crew, right? No, I'm talking to oh. personal. Well, I, I, I think in, 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 in males, it could be pride. They're too embarrassed to accept help, conversations. That's my opinion. I'm not sure about that, but I would think it's pride is involved in a lot of that. Yeah, no, we we've unfortunately as a as an organization have had a couple of, of folks that 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 happened to, and it's sad. And 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 you're thinking like, what was going on? Because you know you see like you know I'm I don't want to mention any names, but you know recently it was like I've seen this person every day for you know every day of the every week of the year for you know at crew meetings and everything. You didn't even know anything was wrong, and it, and it makes you look back and go. What could I have done? What could I have done differently? He seemed fine, right? And then they did that to themselves, you know? And it's like, what could we have done differently? And I, I think back and I go, I don't know what I could have done differently, but maybe there's like signs or, or stuff that can be, you know, promoted, you know, like through your podcast and other things like where just re regular people like us that aren't trained in the medical field or, or psychological field, like can pick up on some signs to where you can maybe like, Hey, man, like, I'll tell you, Paul does a really good job, all joking aside, because, you know, I've gone through a lot and people just call me up sometimes and be like, dude, are you OK? Like, you seemed a little off last night. You know, can I do anything for you? And I'll tell him, you know, we'll talk about it. But, and that, you know, it makes me feel good that I have a friend that will do that. Right. And so but that's not prominent. Men don't do that typically. Right. And so and I think that's what we need to change. What are some of I mean, what are some of the signs for people that are susceptible to something like that i mean if you hold it in how can you tell um i'm i try in my life because i've lost friends um i've had friends that have lost their children which is just the most horrific thing i can think of and how do you recognize those signs how are you empathetic how can you instead of saying man i wish i could have done more instead of saying man i did everything i possibly could to help them and that's happened too. But what are those signs? Yeah. So, you know, we talk about it on the podcast a lot and we've had a lot of, you know, mental health counselors and therapists and like different people that are in charge of different modalities. And I think the thing is, is like, kind of like what you guys are saying, like you can always go up to somebody and say, Hey, how you're doing? And they're just like, I'm good, whatever. And then just, that's a real easy way to like check the box and walk off. Right. But, you know, when you're talking about some significant mental health issues that result to, you know, harming oneself. I think acknowledging when someone isn't fine, like you can tell in the tone of their voice, or you can kind of tell, sometimes you can tell by, you know, posts, if they have social media, you can tell in different ways, but sometimes you can't tell. Some people can hide it so well that it just got, kind of goes to the wayside. Or sometimes there's a triggering event where, you get to a certain point, you've had enough. But I mean, we've heard a lot of people talk about this and sometimes there are telltale signs, sometimes there aren't. And it just, and it's a shock to everybody. So sometimes there isn't, unfortunately there isn't something more that you could have done because they were able to mask it. Or the other thing too, is that you never really know what somebody's going through. And I kind of learned this lesson the hard way when I was a kid, I think I was like 16 and I uh, snapped off on some guy 
like just like a 16 year old kid does. And uh, I'll be honest with you, like he pulled a knife on on me and my buddies. And it seemed like a pretty like, I don't really know how to describe it. It seemed like pretty benign. But, you know, when you're like a young kid, you sometimes you just say stupid shit. And this guy like cut us off in traffic. And we're like, hey, F you, buddy, whatever. And uh, he straight like followed us, cut us off, like put us in this thing and like got out of the car with this big ass knife. And it was like, whoa, that was typical F you, buddy, in traffic. Right. But like, who knows? That guy could have his wife could have served him divorce papers that day. You know, his I kid never apologized could have, for that, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, I like you never know exactly what someone has been through in that moment. And it's really important just to be kind. I think that's like the best, you know, what you could have done better is to be kind in the moment and understand that sometimes there's people that have it a lot worse. Sometimes there's people that have recently gone through a very traumatic event. And we and you don't know because you don't know. Them. And I think that that goes back to empathy. You know, when you shake someone's hand and, hey, how you doing? And I don't just go in passing now. If I've got time, I'll stop and talk. And if they won't even make eye contact with me or their head's down or or I can just tell their hands trembling, I know something's up. And usually before I leave or on my way home, I'll give that person a call. And I'll say, hey, what's going on? I can, I can, I can vouch for that. <laughs> there was a story, like you said, you don't know what's going on with someone. There was a story I read somewhere a long time ago. And it was like, hey, I was in the lobby of a hospital and this guy was just sitting there. He had five kids running around like banshees everywhere, just doing whatever they wanted to do. And dad was just sitting there, just eye glazed, not even paying attention to the kids. And, you know, one of the ladies said, hey, can you do something about the kids? And then he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'm deep in thought. I just lost my wife and I don't know how to tell the kids they just lost their mother. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So. You don't know what people are going through. So, but everyone else sees a guy that's not paying attention to his kids yeah. running around, like whatever. That's a good point. Like, so you think, oh, look at that jerk. He's not, you know, taking care of his kids. But then now you figure, hear that and you're like, I know. What do you do? <laughs> so, when you hear that story 15, 20 years ago, right. it makes you not dismiss things or just prejudge on what you're seeing. Um, maybe ask a question, maybe just hold back your reaction until you get a full picture know the facts yeah, yeah. so that's all sorry oh, there was a sad note i want to be happy note Let's <laughs> yeah. well the other thing too yeah, is fuck. kind of what we found out is that in a, as far as attempts go uh like i guess you know it's like 50 50 male and females attempt about the same the only <laughs> the only issue is men are very successful at it because we take a much more violent approach wow i didn't so know that Christ. we're like and I, i'm not saying this like goes for everybody uh but just so you have a situation where like a woman and like this is, you know, studied might be more likely to take like pills or do something that's a little bit more reversible. So you can get them to the hospital. They can get antidote. Um, men, not so much. Right. Men are much more likely to use much more violent force and kind of like, for lack of a better term, seal the deal. And what we found, too, is that most people who survive a suicide attempt are incredibly, they actually like redact it and say like, I really wish I hadn't done that. Regretful. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And so the, you, you start to learn like the survivors and you kind of start to hear some of their accounts and it's really crazy. And then you have, you know, a lot of the acts, like you have overdoses now with like the fentanyl crisis and all that. Like you have 
a lot of modalities to to commit suicide men are just so much more successful at it because of the intent that they take and when a man decides like hey it's time it's time and so that's kind of what we found and that's it's really sad that that's kind of what it comes to but also that we can kind of spread the message like we are big in destigmatizing the conversation and you know trying to help people find resources that they can get a hold of we have a network of you know mental health people that we've really kind of locked in and we're able to at least like say hey this person might be able to help and at least start there and like get them the resources that they need and then we've had people reach out through email saying that they need help with like health issues mental health whatever and you know we have like guys guys and girls here in Tampa and nationwide that can at least be a resource to kind of help guide them and take the steps that they need to be able to like de-escalate the situation. Yeah. You know, I think, I think, you know, like men in general, including myself up until, you know, whatever, but um, I think men are historically just not good at going to the doctor and it get better, you know? And I think like that, that needs to change as well. And I was one of those people until, you know, I went through my, my cancer situation I was the same thing. Oh, to get better. This thing. I mean, I had a friend of mine who um, who's now on on a list to get kidney transplants because he had high blood pressure for years and never did anything about it, and it got so high where it just destroyed his kidneys, right? And and all he needed to do was go go to the doctor one time and get a prescription for high blood pressure medicine, and he'd, he'd still be with us right now, you know. And he's not because he just typical guy. Like I don't need to go to the doctor, and you know, I was like that. My brother's like that. My dad's like that. It just it runs in my family, right? And I think it runs in a lot of families because men just don't want to do that. They feel maybe it's a weakness or something like that. And it's not. Like, you got to take care of yourself and take care of those around you, you know? And so I think I think more people need – like, I'm like – I'm all up to date on all my stuff. I'm getting, you know, my my, my exams, everything I should get. And I go to the doctor now, you know? And, and I didn't do that 20 years ago, right? And, but I'm doing it now, and, I, and I'm encouraging – everyone, all my friends that do the same thing. Hey, get your preventive stuff done. Get your, you know, your prostate exams, women get their mammograms. Everyone needs to do all that kind of stuff because, you know, you can find some of these things early. Like for me, my lymphoma was found early enough to where I went through chemo and I'm good, you know, but, um, and that was found by accident. It wasn't even, I was getting tested for something else and they go, yeah, you're fine there, but you got this thing you need to, and I need to talk to a doctor about. Right. And so it was just, it was, a it was, it wasn't, I didn't go there for that reason. Right. They were looking at something else and they I did, had a CT scan and they were like, Oh, that's fine. But you need to talk to somebody about, you know, the lump in your neck, you know? So, and I think people, men especially need to do a better job of like, it's okay to go to the doctor. It's okay to get checked out. It's okay to get your prostate exam or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think, I think as a country, as a, as a, as a world, we can do a better job of like getting people, men to do that. Right. So. Oh, yeah. And that highlights a pretty big kind of background social issue men have. So as you as you talked about, you know, before when you were younger, you had your brothers and your dad, you would maybe not necessarily talk to, but look up to to see how they handled things. And right. you saw that they didn't go to the doctors. And that's what, unfortunately, most guys have as their role model for that is like their immediate family members. And then something that the crew will kind of highlight and bring out past that social level is now you have you know, as you mentioned, hundreds of guys, hundreds of 
friends you can talk to. And many of them will have experiences like yours or like your, your friends there where they had an issue. Now they're like, oh, shit, I get this checked out. And they either found something else or maybe that was the main issue that they had. But now they're going to kind of like champion their friends, their peers that you need to get yourself looked at as well. And then something minor, maybe you go to get checked out and you find something big on that. So that that entire like friendship camaraderie group is going to spread better health benefits to each other because now you're screening. Now you're talking. Now you have that relationship with, you know, 200 guys local to you that will kind of give you not only background and, and um, advice, but now even recommendations because now you have, oh, I went to this doctor and he's a good person or I had the, you know this roofer, he helped me out with this. Um, so it, it's really, there's a lot of benefits more than just having friends to talk to um, when it comes to like groups, groups like yours and just having these relationships built. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've, we've been on here for a little bit and we've had some real ass conversations, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think that just being able to discuss it is more than half the battle because people see, Oh, look at all they, there's five guys on here right now. And they're all talking about mental health, physical health, all these things where, you know, how many other outlets do you have where, you can hear men discussing their health and saying like, no, go get that checked out. It, it can definitely like, just like you said, Chris, like a lot of people don't realize that if you have chronic high blood pressure for a long period of time, it can influence your kidneys. It, like people just don't, they're just like, well, I don't feel anything. Right. And so they, they, a lot of the issues like metabolic issues, diabetes, high blood pressure, all that stuff, like they have impact on your organs for a long period of time. And unless you, you know, get a diagnosis, get some medication. There's some strategies that can kind of go into helping reverse or diminish that through lifestyle. Um, but there's, there's different ways to deal with some of these chronic issues that guys face. And that's really what, you know, Cam and I started the podcast, uh, in COVID, they sent us home, USF sent us home. I mean, we were doing community outreach with USF. Uh, we started our own men's health org and we we're going out and like doing stuff. And, and, we noticed at the beginning of it, guys wanted no part of us. Like we had a little, look. like a trifold. Yeah. We had a trifold board. I mean, we had just statistics, like nothing pointing the finger, nothing like that. And then that's definitely not who we are, but just saying like, Hey, get your blood pressure checked regularly, check your blood sugar, all these things, go get blood work, whatever. And guys, they would stay as far away as possible from anything that had to do with health related. And more times than not, it was wives, girlfriends, sisters, like whoever that were like, no, go over there and talk to them. They're pharmacy students. They, they know more than you. And that was kind of how we started this because they then they sent us home and told us like no more shenanigans from you guys because we were out like um, we did cars and coffee. We did a couple other things and we're in like stuff at school where they had like family day or whatever for the pharmacy students. And we were over here like, hey, bring your prostate over here. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and like, I was out there snatching people like <laughs> you weren't being coy. That's funny. And like just but making it at least an enjoy like at least enjoyable, telling a couple jokes. We noticed how quickly guys were willing to open up. And I mean, I I'll never forget this one guy. I was like the first person who ever came up and talked to us. Cam was like, Hey, get that prostate over here. Let's see. Tell us about it. And the guy came <laughs> guy came up to us. And he started telling us like his whole list of health issues that he had and all of the treatments and like all the times he'd gone to the doctor and like how he like had helped, I think like kind of get himself right. Yeah. And it was, 
and he was just super grateful for what we were doing. And that was kind of the first time we were like, oh man, okay. Like maybe we can, maybe we got something here. What was it? Like a couple of years ago, we went to another car show. It was the first time ever that we were talking about mental health and guys stopped and said, you guys are talking about men's mental health. Oh, okay, cool. And, and they would just start up a conversation. And so I think the stigma is leaving and it's just, it's going to take time to kind of wash through society, especially, you know, American men. Um, but as the years have gone on, more and more guys have been much more open. And, uh, we did last year around Valentine's day, we did the synapse conference in, at Amelie. We got invited to go do that. And we what had a little, that? it's a huge tech and innovation conference at Amelie arena. It's one of the biggest, probably in the U S every year they have health innovation technology. They had the, um, military like robot dogs. I'm, I don't know if I'm saying that the right way, Cam, but it was like all these robots, drones. Um, but it's it's based on like anything innovation wise. And we applied well, to it actually. Got, yeah. And we applied to it and actually got a scholarship to go because it's pretty expensive to get a booth That's there. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but we we got in and so many guys came by our booth and we said, hey, we're recording a podcast at one o'clock. We're recording it live. Come back by, talk to us, whatever. And we had a line. I mean, the yeah. two vendors next to us just packed up shop and left because everybody was there for us. That's awesome. And they wanted to just come in, like, tell us about, you know, their story or something that had happened to them. And I think for two hours, like, we couldn't even move because all yeah. these guys and like men and women, but mostly men were coming back just to talk about it. And like, that was the really the craziest moment because you have a bunch of innovative people, you have a bunch of professionals. I mean, we had doctors coming up talking to us like, man, what you guys are doing is awesome. I like, I have all these patients that like, and it was just, it was overwhelming. Like I, we recorded the podcast. It's, it's in the archives. You can look it up. It's, it's like two, it, we were just going to record for like an hour. We ended up recording for like three, some hours because I I really am. I, I really am. That's awesome. Man. It's crazy. Like there was, there was a dude that like, he sat there and talked to us. I mean, I, I hate to say it. Like we wanted to be like, all right, man, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like not, not to be jerks, <laughs> but like he was just there going on and on and on. And I was like, Oh man, well, we were there for like, we were, I think we recorded for like three hours, two parts, just like, it was so long. We didn't censor it. Didn't really edit it a lot. We just wanted people to get their word out. And it was, it's so great because we've gotten a lot of good feedback on that because it was like, man, how'd you guys wrangle up a bunch of dudes to talk about their health? So it's hard to do. I got a question. Oversized, overweight, middle-aged men. Um, hey, I'm sitting right here. Hey, I'm the biggest one here. <laughs> so whether it's stress-related, anxiety, financial, whatever it might be, you guys are pharmacists. So do you go the diet route, the keto route, the Ozempic route? um exercise route the no alcohol route no, or do no, you take drugs i mean <laughs> what's i'm sure everyone's different you've got the people that are very good at eating well and everything else and you're like damn it i wish i could look like that well i haven't had a carb in 10 years i'm italian guess what i have a carb every 10 minutes so <laughs> what what do you think the best way to start losing weight is i mean ozempic's brand new and all those i don't just say ozempic anything you stab it to your leg and all of a sudden 
you start losing weight seems to be magic to me, wicked evil magic, but it seems to be working for people. You want to look at all the patients individually. That's the kind of the big aspect is everybody wants like the quick one, one way fix, one step fix. And unfortunately this is not possible. It's not what we can do as species, as creatures. Um, it is, it does take several modalities. And you really kind of have to gauge how the patient is with their lifestyle and their willingness to kind of do things. Obviously, best thing is to kind of go non-drug first. So get those lifestyle changes, look at their exercise, look at their diet and stuff like that. And unfortunately, that will take additional help because you will want a dietitian on board. Then you're going to want some, you know, physical therapy or just some some people who can help with the exercise regimen. Because obviously, when you hear those words, diet, exercise, immediately you're soft you ain't having it you don't want to hear this kind of thing and you have to kind of find a way to tailor those plans to that particular person to, for stuff they'd like to do um so if you like to ride your bike you know focus the exercise on that if you know you're a town and you like to have pastas and things like that you can adjust the diet on that side you know swapping in some things here or there to try to lighten up the caloric load while still burning as much as you can doing what you like obviously that doesn't work for everybody first off. So then they kind of go into drugs and things like that. Um, so kind of take away some of the mystique on Ozempic or uh, semiglutide is the generic name. What it does is it's a mimic of a protein you naturally make. So we, we make this protein called GLP-1 and it basically makes you feel full, essentially. So what you're doing is by injecting that in your body, you're upping that level that's present in your body you're feeling full and you're eating less. So it's really just kind of tricking your brain into saying you're full and you don't- I've seen eat. people take Ozempic, stab themselves in the leg and an hour later, they're eating a bag of Doritos. Doesn't right. make sense. That's not, the, that's not the right way to use Ozempic. Right, yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. I'm not, and who knows what the effects are, but I, you know, you cut out sugars. Obviously everyone says cut out sugars and do more exercise. I'm just trying to do it naturally and I got to stop eating everything I cook. That'll help. Cut out cacciatores. No. <laughs> well, as the, not to toot my own horn here, but in my first year of business, I got two people with A1Cs in the seven, seven, almost eight down to healthy, normal A1Cs. So Stop there. I see every commercial. What the hell is A1C? So A1, I don't A1, know. A1C is the amount of sugar on your red blood cells for the life of your red blood cell. So it's What's really- good? Uh, you want to be like around five and like 5.5. Yeah. I think when you start creeping, when you start creeping up into six, like getting close to six, you start becoming pre-diabetic also saw an interesting statistic. I don't know. Like I got to look into this, but I saw it. I think it was on a news program. I've been kind of battling the flu. So like my brain is like on fire a little bit, but 50% of Americans are and I think it might have been American men, but fifty percent of Americans are either pre of adults are either pre diabetic or diabetic, which is crazy. Hold on one second. Can you bring that bag of Doritos back? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, so Patrick, um, what I've done in, in my career is I, I've I've uh, I specialized in employee benefits, human resources, employee benefits, and I've ran um, benefit programs for very large corporations and. You know, we have a lot of had a lot of data, right? And what our data was telling us that the last the last company that I ran benefits for was we had a huge problem with diabetes, and then we also saw the same thing about uh, 
all the people that were pre-diabetic and it could still turn it around, right? You still have a oh, chance yeah. to turn it around. Like it's not done. You don't have diabetes yet, but you're going to, if you don't change your lifestyle. And so, and I, I love your health advocacy thing that you're doing because that's one of the things that I implemented at my employers. We, we, we had a lot of things like that. And we specifically uh, partnered with a company that, um, that helped our diabetics out. Right. So they got an app on their phone they had like a, they would take their blood sugar and then it would, it would automatically upload. And if it was high or low, they would get a call from a, a, a nurse. Right. And, um, and the nurse would be like, all right, so what'd you do today? What'd you eat? What'd you drink? What'd you do? Blah, blah, blah. So let's figure out what's causing your blood sugar to go up, down, whatever. Right. And we had, we got such a great, uh, response from that. And it, in the, in, in the industry, they call it moving numbers, right? You can, you can throw money at anything in the world, right? Especially in healthcare. But so we threw like a couple of million dollars towards this program. And in in three years, it moved our, our diabetes, our diabetes numbers went down. And we actually saw that, man, this $2 million have helped like 8,000 people, you know, live a better life and be healthier or whatever. And it was just, and, and a lot of people, especially with diabetes or whatever, it's like most of their problems are because they're they're not they're not they're not taking their medicine properly, right? They're they're not adhering to their medicine or doing this or doing that, or even have the education to know what's spiking it, right? So if I drink a, a drink or I have a, this or that, right? So that was really amazing, man. And I had so many people would come and like, like, hey, you're the benefits guy, right? Like, yeah, like thank you for putting that program in place. It's like it's got me like in control of my life now, you know. And That's so cool. yeah, it was really awesome. And so again, That's it's awesome. like a lot of times money doesn't solve everything, but it, it really brought like people were like, all right, I know I have diabetes and now I know what's going on with it. Right. And I know what's triggering it, how I can make it better and do that kind of stuff and just live a better life. So that's awesome. And I know that's what, you know, you're trying to do as well as help people out and not just diabetes, but everything. Right. And I think it's impressive, man. We appreciate it. Uh, a you. bunch of my friends they'll be on four or five different types of medicine that they have to take every day. And they're like, Paul, what do you want? High blood pressure, high cholesterol. I'm on nothing. Um, you're older than the rest of us. So what do you <laughs> Just do? like attack it, Randy. Who's on blood pressure medication? His social security number's two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got blood pressure medicine. What do you take? Besides the stuff that you've had for your cancer and stuff, but uh, now I'm only I'm on. I've had blood, so my my blood pressure is different. I got diagnosed with high blood pressure at 17 years old, so I've been on blood pressure medicine since then. But besides that, um, I don't take anything anymore. That's it. I'm done. But you know, at one point I was over 300 pounds, and so you I know, saw those pictures. Yeah, yeah, it's so. I mean, I've tried. You know, like that. The situation I went through has really changed my perspective on life and taking care of yourself and everything else, right? Because I wasn't that person. But now I try to, you know, eat right. You know, of course, I eat horribly sometimes. But, you know, for the most part, I try to eat right, exercise, do what I need to do and get my checkups and, and do all that. And I'm not afraid to tell people that I do that. What do you guys take? I don't take anything. Awesome. Yeah, I take, I I take some vitamins. Me? Yeah. I'm 36. 36. Cameron, how old are you? 30 and 32. Yeah. Oh, we're oh it's the same age as me. <laughs> I don't take anything. I got the uh, hey, I got the nice military food. joints, though. The Marine Corps really took out the years out of my stuff, so I'm sure I'll be on some, like, um, arthritis meds before I know it, unfortunately. I, uh, Marine? Marine Corps, yep. Thank you for your service, brother. Thank it's you awesome. for yours, brother. Thank you.
Thank Back you. at you. I am not in the military, but I am an official member of the VFW in Madeira Beach now because of my birthday weekend. And you also support military. Oh, yeah, we support it too. For but sure. CDD and I went in there. Long story. But um, <laughs> anyways, ah, shoot, I want to talk. Yeah, about we something. had a feature. We had a, a feature on uh, Frank Wiley's morning show for like military service and stuff like that. So Frank's the man, if you guys oh, yeah. know who he is. Oh, three piece Frank. Uh-huh. He's right. Guy always wears a suit, man. The first time I went to go meet with him, guy shows up in a three-piece suit, and I'm like, bro, like it's just <laughs> breakfast, like Saturday. Come on. Yeah, but it's right. already over 100 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> what you know? What I what I always tell people, like they come see me. You know, first and foremost, like I advocate for them. Some people, like they're just they're like, I don't care about changing my lifestyle. I just want the stress of this entire situation gone, and that helps them out a little bit. Stress is a killer for sure. And the next thing is I say, we're well, not here to be an Olympic athlete, right? The best exercise for diabetes is walking. Almost everybody can do that. And then there are small, then I like show people how to be adherent to their meds. And then there's times where you want to, there's certain times of the day you can take medications that they're more effective. So you try to optimize how they are used. Sometimes medications are used better with certain vitamins, certain supplements, and so you really just try to like the people who do want a lifestyle change, you try to optimize what they have and what they're already working with. And then you can go and say, okay, what's like, you kind of go through what they're eating. And some people are just like big, huge ice cream people, right? I'll just throw it out there. And you say, okay, how many days a week do you eat ice cream? And they're like seven. And you're like, Ooh. okay, well, what if we replace two days a week? Doesn't matter which two, but you replace that ice cream with some fruit. And that's a sustainable change. You know, one of, one of my clients or like healthy A1C, he was on three medicines for diabetes on one now. And his doctor hates me for it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Big pharma hates you too. <laughs> yeah. If I ever like now, like I actually was having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day and I was like telling him about my business. Uh, he's a green beret and he just got back from uh, overseas. So what happens when you end up like accidental dead? And I was like, well, it's big pharma, maybe. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he's Always like, big pharma. <laughs> yeah, he's like, the Netflix shows. Those are crazy. Yeah. And so crazy. the goal, the goal here is like, if you want to improve your health, like I don't care what anybody says, you're not doing it overnight. If you can make small changes that are sustainable things that you enjoy, things that you like, like a lot of it's just finding what you like and what you want to do. You kind of have to experiment a little bit, but if you can find those changes that kind of help, you'll see. I mean, I, I didn't even realize it that you could lower an A1. I mean, I think I saw a, key, a drastic lowering in A1C in just one blood draw. I couldn't even believe it. I was like, we might have to take that one again. And then they did it again and it was even lower like in the next three months. And then it just stayed at a really healthy level on one drug. And I tried to get their doctor to be like, Hey, can we trial off of this? And they were like, absolutely not. But you know, that's my thing. I'm the pharmacist that tries to get people off drugs. If that's something that they want to pursue, I don't force anybody. Amazing, into anything. Actually. So yeah, that's amazing. So big pharma might not be my biggest fan. So I'm going to keep it, uh, you know, <laughs> keep it chill for a little bit, but I just think that if you can do it without medications, there are some really great supplements out there, some, you know, really great, you know, vitamins, 
there's some good stuff out there that people can take. Like sometimes people just have nutrient deficiencies. Yeah. It's crazy. And it sounds crazy. But... Your doctors, they can take your blood test and then figure out the things that like my doctors say, okay, you need some more magnesium. Um, or I think I'm taking milk thistle for my liver or something, but those are just over the counter things like that. I don't even know what I'm taking them for anymore. Yeah. Um, but I don't take it consistently, but I'll take it maybe twice or three times a week. It's better than what I don't have in my system. Yeah, that, that reminds me. So um, we put in, we put in a telemedicine program at the company I did benefits for, right? It was back, back, that's probably like eight, nine, 10 years ago, right? When it was on its embassy, right? When people were like, I don't know about this whole telemedicine thing, you know? And, um, and I remember I got, I got a complaint from one of the employees were like, that telemedicine thing you guys put in sucks. And I go, well, what happened? Tell me about it. You know, oh, I went online, I paid the $10 copay and I talked to the doctor and they didn't even give me a prescription. <laughs> but that's the mindset, right? With healthcare. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you, the doctor, you get a pill, right? And it's like, the doctor didn't think it was necessary for them to have, you know, I don't remember what it was for, but that's the, that's the thing. Right? It's like, they, they were pissed off because they went to a doctor and the doctor didn't give them a prescription when they left. Right. And that's, you know, that's, the, it's, it's, it's insane. So <coughs> Randy here, no, let him, let him, I want to hear uh, what he's well, got to that's, say. that's like the, uh, so there's a big resistance now with like azithromycin and like the Z packs. Right. Right. But people that have the flu, so flu is viral. Azithromycin is antibiotic. An <laughs> antibiotic does not bite a viral infection. But when you go to the doc, like it might make you feel a little bit better. But then when you go to the doc and you're like, I don't feel so good. I might have the flu. They just prescribed that and people took it and it was like, oh, okay. But they got something like when they went, they got something from it. Right. So it's like kind of that consumer type thing. And right. what's the doctor like really going to tell you when you have the flu? Uh, it's going to resolve in about seven days. Deal with it. <laughs> You know, Drink stay hydrated. Like <laughs> yeah, stay hydrated. Make sure Here's that your you're pill. Take right. That. Yeah. right. And so that's kind of thing. But now, like, you know, azithromycin has a huge resistance and um certain STD guidelines have been had to be updated because azithromycin doesn't work for certain STDs anymore. You know about that, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I mean well, but, everything to Brenda before we got married. Oh god, stop. <laughs> so <laughs> this guy here. It's probably the skinniest between the three of us, and hey, he's, hey. he's the oldest. I'm pointing the pen this way, okay. not that way. Okay. How come you're so in such good shape? Like, like the last two years, you've been in better shape. You lost your gut. Because I've turned 66, and I realized that my lifespan is getting shorter. You got about a good three years left, Randy. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I've watched what I've been eating. <laughs> I still drink like a fish, but it is what it is. And I, I've maintained. But you recognize the importance of doing that, right? Absolutely. You knew like, hey, I, if I keep going this way, it's not going to end well. I mean, my last physical, my sugar was at 5.3. And then they said come back in three months. And then it was back down to 4.6. So I must, must have got a bad reading. So, but it made me, for that three months, I was worried about it. So I, It could have been months. those five crowns you had the day before, though. I'm sure. uh, it could have been the pasta. <laughs> could have been the pasta I've been eating, too. Oh, that's true, too. <laughs> no, as you get older, every time, 30. 30 years older than <laughs> yeah <laughs> holy well that's the problem when you're younger you feel you're invincible too right and i think like you know so we're on the subject of men's health and all that but i think it's something that has to be taught to our to our the younger people right because you do have that sense of in, invincibility right when you're younger you think oh it's not gonna happen to me you see or someone died like oh it's not gonna happen 
And, you, you know, you can be extremely healthy in your 20s, even your early 30s, and then things can go south, right? But I think it has to start with, like, when kids are younger to, to let us know it's okay to question things, to go to the doctor, see what's going on, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I just don't think that we, we do that enough in, in the world, right? And we got to teach people, hey, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to go to the doctor. It's okay to do these things, right, until it's too late. And that's what, you know, we were talking about my buddy with the kidney thing, like, by the time he went to the doctor, it was too late. It, it was too late. He destroyed both of his kidneys just because, you know, he didn't want to go to the doctor. And I think it's important that we get that word out. And that's why I love what you guys are doing with your podcast. Thank you, man. Well, as we kind of wrap it up, uh, shout out to the crew of Santiago, first of all. But you guys uh, in the PC podcast, where can our listeners find you? And then any, you know, fun businesses and things you guys want to disclose for our audience? um Uh, well we've wrapped how long have you been doing this now your podcast uh may will be year number four wow so this is our second year starting now we started last maybe february or march we did 14 episodes um we're projecting like 24 to 30 this year um come up with topics we've been having fun with it yeah we start we started doing it just for fun like it was funny one one day i think we're at a crew meeting and we were at dinner or something I afterwards, right at you. and Paul goes, Paul goes, hey, man, you want to do a podcast? And I go, fuck, yeah, I do. <laughs> and so That's then, how they all start. <laughs> yeah, so then the next day, literally, I'm not even joking, the next day, he sends me pictures. He had shit overnighted from Amazon and everything else, like all the all, all the equipment. He's like, and I was like, I go, oh, this is getting real, real quick. <laughs> That's literally how it happened, but. You know, we, we, we've had a lot of fun with it. I man. watch a lot of YouTube yeah. videos. I do too. So you Spotify. No, so not, not that time. <laughs> You're but, in my system now. Though. Oh, God. So, so for our sponsors, we're going to share the credit card at the end of this. No, so we're not. all get yourself a little something <laughs> for working can't, so hard. I'm canceling the card, man. I can't take it. We have to figure <laughs> out how to monetize for his. Hey, but Cam, habits. you know, I was, you know, like you were talking earlier about some of the organizations where it's just older people, right? I think that speaks to what we're talking about is because today's youth or whatever younger people they're they haven't really been part of things like what we're talking about the crew like i'm a, I'm a mason i'm a shriner and i will tell you it's 100 percent in those organizations like i walk in there and i feel like i'm in a graveyard you know and it's like and i'm 53 you know i couldn't imagine like like my son 20 my son's 26 and he's like dad i want to join the mate i'm like dude you're not gonna have fun i tell i told my son not to because it's just there's no one his age. He's not gonna. He's not gonna stick around and do it very often. And, and like some of those organizations need to change the way they do certain things, right? Because it's just not attractive to to younger folks, right? And but I do think it's important that we all find something to do that we're interested in, like like minded people, whether it's a crafts or whatever, you know. But I think it's important. But yeah. well, we three kings want to thank you for having Absolutely. us on board. You're our first uh, podcast we have guested with. Uh, next is no, we got Burt Kreischer Burke, next week. The Burt Kreischer's next week, <laughs> uh, after the parade. But really appreciate you having on, and we'll have you on ours at some point. I got to talk to you how about you do it live and all that kind of stuff, too, because we haven't done video yet. That but, would be good for us, yeah. So, I want to thank you for all that for sure. No, thank you guys for coming out. We appreciate it. All the words you've shared and all the uh, knowledge and information. Thanks, man. All right, well. KSY signing out. Thank you guys for coming on and uh, just giving us your time, some insight on men's health. We yep. really appreciate it. And can't wait yeah. to see you guys at the next meeting. Thanks, Viva Patrick. Santiago. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Cam. Appreciate Thank you guys. You guys. Peace. Thank you, guys.